Hi everyone. If you're new to this podcast, welcome. If you've listened to us before, we're glad you're back. This week we're talking about changes in the Israeli government and Mizrahi Remembrance Month. This is John Cohen and you're listening to the Mocha Juice. Shabbat Shalom. Hello. Alan. Alan. How are you? I am good. How are you? Good, good. Manishma. What's up? Ahalan wasahalan. Are you going to start singing for us? No, I will not. Oh, okay. I, I, I'm, am I going to be, are you going to hire me as your wedding singer? If you want to, yeah, sure. That sounds awesome. You're going to be like the Thai Levy of my wedding. You shouldn't do that. Honestly, save your money. <laughs> <laughs> ah, I thought this was wedding gift. You're also going to charge me. Avanti. Avanti, Business you're trying to do on me. And bye, Akapara. No problem. I, I make business on my friends. Maze business on your friends. <laughs> no, but yesterday I was, I was at my parents and I overheard a business conversation between my mom and an Israeli investor. She invested in like some startup that's run run by an Israeli mm-hmm. and my mom speaks Hebrew she's fluent but you know she also grew up in the U.S. so she's also comfortable with English and and the guy just like overhearing the guy was saying uh, yes we're doing very well with our business you know <laughs> our business is doing very very well and the, and the investment is very very good and we are expanding our business right now <laughs> good doll it's... Yeah. <laughs> and I, I was trying to contain my laughter it was just so sick it was between containing your laughter and inviting them to our podcast well you know <laughs> when we got, come talk you know, to us we, about the business the business you know the business but we're gonna have i mean somewhere down the line we're gonna have um uh, an, a podcast episode dedicated to a business mm-hmm. and and combina Mm-hmm. Um, which I sent you a message this week saying that there there needs to be an Israeli startup called Kombina, um, because there I, because it's a word that exists in Hebrew and it would be a great like business business tool uh-huh. to have an app called Kombina, right? And and for people who don't understand what Kombina means, Kombina is like how do you explain Kombina, Angie? It's like Kombina is when you know somebody who knows somebody that does you a favor, gets you in, you know. Um, you, but it's something you have. It's like, yeah. it's, a thing, it's like a now. It's like you have it's a, it's a, a network. Favor. Yeah. It's a network connection that you have. Like I right. have a Kombina to get this deal, like, or I have a Kombina to you know, know the I right know... person to get you to talk to them. There was, you yeah. know, there was a lot before. So we should talk about this at some point in depth. But um, when I, when initially, when I came into to Israel through Gurin Sabar and, you know, we were supposed to join the military and everything in Israel, there was a lot around um, people that wanted, you know, specific positions in carry in certain units. Um, and it was all about kombinot. It was all about like, you have to know a person in that unit or know a person who knows a person that's high enough in that unit um, that can like hire high up enough, right? Not like high, like they're stone, but like high up enough um, to, to be able to like get your foot in the door to even get an interview in some of those units. And it was all about kombinot. It was like, if you didn't know the right person in one of those army units, then you probably weren't going to be able to, you know, even get considered for a position there and all that. And it was all around kombinot. I, I mean, I, I didn't have a kombino when I went into the army and I tried. You money. So, yeah. But I so also I, didn't, um, I guess, it, like, we also didn't have, like, I mean, I guess now in retrospect, we're kind of like, why didn't we? Um, but I had, like, a certain position that I wanted to go to and I didn't care about any, like, they wanted to send me to like Mio name like uh, interviews and, and kind of to put me through trials for other positions in the army. And I was so set on what I wanted. Um, and all I needed for that was to have like my, my, um, my PE kind of uh, score needed to be high enough for me to, to be able to be in that unit. And it was the highest that it was. Um, so aside from that, I didn't really need anything to be able to get into that unit. Yeah, I I had nothing. I was trying to get into um into the spokesperson unit, and mm-hmm. they actually they actually gave me a test, and then they were like, "Nope, bye." <laughs> <laughs> Which is what was the test about? They they had me like on the spot, like write um I guess like an op ed or something mm-hmm. about why um the what they call the security barrier, but what we call the separation barrier was. Mm-hmm 
uh, and it, it was important for Israeli security without any without any like facts on like you know any fact sheet or anything just out of out of my ass like write a Ken. full you have an hour write a full like uh, op ed wow yeah and you know I'm not the best writer but also I, I, that's not my writing that's not my writing process right you know? and also Everyone like has, how are you yeah. supposed to just come up with something without like having any kind of sources to back it up to write about exactly which which kind of you know shows how the propaganda machine works you're not you're much. you're you're given a you're given a task to kind of persuade people without any sources yeah you're you're basically you know making shit up yeah which which you know in retrospect i'm kind of glad i didn't go into that unit Mush. you know the job i got i thought in the military was very very meaningful yeah um, i agree yeah but but it was yeah. yeah um we should do a whole show at some point about our army service and how we got in and the whole process the whole procedura procedura um, we could probably do an AMA where yeah. we just have listeners submit us some questions about our service. Yeah, we could talk about the Israeli army a lot. Yeah, a lot. Exactly. There's a lot to say about the the crazy amount of time that we spent there. <laughs> oh my god. Um. Cool. So today we have some really fun and interesting topics. There's a lot that happened um, over the last week that we wanted to talk about. A couple of days ago. Um, the Knesset in Israel actually um, dissolved. So they, they totally broke up the Knesset, which was a huge, for those of you who don't know, the Knesset is um, essentially the Israeli parliament. Um, and the Likud um, were asked, the Likud is, is the party that's, uh, that's uh, headed, uh, led by Bibi. Um, and, Bibi Netanyahu. Uh, Bibi Netanyahu. Um, and they were asked, you know, they had to pass a two-year budget um, and they would not um, it, it, because that would guarantee um, that the government would stay in power to the point where Gantz would eventually take over as the prime minister, because that was the initial agreement that they had, um, Gantz and Netanyahu, when they agreed to go into uh, into the, the coalition in April. Um, so Gantz called for a vote to, uh, to disperse the Knesset, um, hoping that that would kind of force uh, Netanyahu's hand and, and force him to actually pass the two-year budget, which is, um, according to, to Gantz and his party, what they were really trying to do, um, baby called the bluff. Um, and now we have another election on the way. So there's, I think there's three more votes happen in the Knesset now. Um, so it, it still needs to go through the committee and pass through three more readings in the Knesset before the new elections are called. But we're looking at elections happening uh, sometime in the spring or the summer. Um, and this is going to be the fourth election in two years, um, which is mostly an issue um, because people in Israel right now are really having a tough time in general. COVID, right? Just in one day, um, positive cases uh, uh, for today, yesterday, sorry, were around 1,400 um, new COVID cases. So it's it's really insane. Um, and there's a lot of uh, government parts that are that are really trying and waiting for this budget um, to be able to move forward, right? Um, like the, the health ministry, um, etc. needs to have this budget to be able to move forward. And they're currently in the middle of dealing with this global pandemic. Um, and it seems like Bibi is more concerned and, and focused on his trial as opposed to focusing on what's really best for the country and, and approving this budget, which is um, really a shame. Um, and it's it, it's another one of those things that we kind of say, you know, are people going to look at this now when we go back to elections and still vote for BB um, or are people going to decide to vote uh, differently um, now that they've seen the way that he also dealt with COVID? Um, and uh, I don't know. It, it really depends. I guess it also really depends on what we see um what, what will happen now with the vaccine? Because um, they did order millions of vaccines. They they signed agreements uh, with Moderna um, and Pfizer. Um, so it really depends on how people are going to look at that, right? Because at the end of the day, we know Israelis. At the end of the day, they could look at it and say, okay, great, Bibi got us the vaccine. He got us these agreements with, you know, uh, now we could go to Dubai. Now we could do this. Now we could do that. And they're just going to look at him as like, you know, this great um 
this great guy that that brought them all of these great things and totally forget about everything that they just had to deal with and the fact they didn't pass this budget, et cetera. Um, So, yeah. Do you have any thoughts on that, John? I mean, I kind of I kind of just shied away from the Israeli news for the past few probably the past year just because America has been an utter shit show and I didn't have the brain space to kind of comprehend what was going on there since the last um what was the last election was March yeah it was it was well no it was right before um because they approved it in April Mm -hmm. um so right before April I think it was at the start of the corona yeah um, either February or March Right, something like that, and and mm-hmm. and they were already talking about people in bidud in uh, in quarantine, and they had special. So it was around the start of Corona, and mm-hmm. that was the last time I really focused on what was going on in the Knesset and and in Israeli, you know, just like uh, in coalitions and everything. Like I, it's a fucking mess. Like I, it I, really is. I I envision. So I would say about at least half of Israelis, uh, Israeli citizens are to the right. And that can mean literally anything, but it's, um, it's quite, you know, it's, it, 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 Israel is like very split politically. And I think Netanyahu has a strong base, but also, you know, there are people who vote for him because there's no alternative. Mm-hmm. And, and there, and then there are the people who are, 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 you know, the rest of the country, you have like center left and then, um, you also have, you know, uh, Palestinian citizens of Israel who tend to vote for, I, I would say, the Palestinian party uh, or the Arab joint list, whatever you call it. Um, so the country itself is pretty split. And I think it will remain that way. I'm, I, I, I could be wrong. I, I think um, it will remain pretty split. Um, and uh I'm correct in my analysis, right? Or yeah, yeah, yeah. And, I, and I and I also think though that that what's really important to note and like to think about now is people are now going to go to vote for the fourth time in two years, right? And at this point, like, do we think that there's going to be less people going to vote because they're angry that the government is even continuing to now spend money again, right? They're going right. to collect money again right now to have elections all over again, to put up their billboards, to do propaganda stuff, marketing, etc. cetera. Um, and it's the fourth freaking time. Like it's not, it's exhausting at this point. You know what I mean? So A, right. are we going to see less people going to vote? Um, who are we going to see that's going to vote more? I don't know. Also, there's a lot that's going on right now. And people are talking a lot about if Bennett or if uh, Yair Lapid are actually going to take um, a bigger lead. Bennett seems to actually, in surveys, he always does really well. But then, um, you know, election day comes around and his party doesn't do as well. Um, and it seems like, you know, his party they've been doing a lot of work um to try to move their party forward and they really kind of see bennett as like possibly the next prime minister which i think is insane um but it's possible but but it's possible it's it's possible possible. i mean i think we might see shifts within the right like Mm -hmm. bb losing power um because his base will support him kind of just like how trump supporters like are diehard for Trump, it's the same with mm-hmm. BB, um, but I think the right might shift. I think with within Israeli right right wing Israelis, I think a lot of them, um, and and this is anecdotal. This is just talking to right wing Israelis. A lot of them don't like Bennett's like religious stances mm-hmm. um, or some of his homophobic stances either. Like you know, and, although and, now yeah. he's actually he's actually totally he's not homophobic from from you know recent stuff he's like he's not like you know flat out saying it but he's pretty okay with it which is weird or he's probably just saying that to he's just saying votes. it because yeah. because i think i think the majority of israelis don't give a shit when it comes to lgbtq rights um yeah. you know the blockers are the ultra orthodox parties and all of that mm-hmm. like you know like queer visibility is it is all over tv like it's in mm-hmm. every channel and and you know when a rabbi says something homophobic there is huge backlash within the public discourse so it's not you know this is a little credit i'll give to israelis but um it's i don't 
I think that's just a it is just like a sticking point from like a few years ago where him or some people in his party or even Ayala Shaked who said like if you're if you care about gay rights or if you're gay then don't vote for us like mm-hmm. like like okay I won't fucking vote for you because you're 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 literally saying you're homophobic and and you're not hiding it but if yeah. if he if he's changing his tone just to get kind of a wider margin I, I mean I think that's smart on his part but I think that's also scary when it yeah. comes, comes to someone like Yair Lapid, Yair Lapid he I literally think he's the only person in the Knesset that I would trust to be prime minister and I don't love really him. yeah wow. I, well I think the Israeli left is shit Meretz is shit um hello I, hello Calm no, down. <laughs> I'm gonna. I would if I were living in Israel, I'd vote for Meretz. Like uh, that's you know, it's it's a numbers game. I'd vote for Meretz, but I wouldn't. Um, I wouldn't uh, so, like be proud to vote for them because I don't really like what the party has become. It's kind of it's become really elitist. I mean, I guess it's always been elitist. Um, and I would want to see like a joint, you know, even like not politically left, maybe politically center joint. Arab, Palestinian, and Jewish Israeli party that has like a very wide spectrum ah. of po- like beliefs. Okay, so Bikitsur, you are but in La La Land. I'm, but I am in La, it doesn't exist. Maze La La Land? No, that's Kilo. what I'm saying. I support someone like <laughs> Yegh Lapid, who, who is like there, who's like, you know, isn't hated by most of the country, isn't a leftist, you know, which mm-hmm. leftists are hated in the country. And mm-hmm. I think he could, like, I think he has the potential to be prime minister. He distanced himself from Gantz. Gantz is a terrible candidate, in my opinion. And he's not a politician. Um, so that's that's my opinion. I hope it's someone like Lapid. I, I, I think Naftali Bennett will probably rise. That's my guess. Okay. Yeah, we'll also see what ends up happening um, with Bibi, uh, you know, now as we get closer to, to the next elections uh, when they happen, because um, he's also still facing his trial in three criminal ca- criminal cases um, on bribery, fraud and breach of trust. Um, so we have to see how that kind of unfolds to be able to to figure out what's going to happen with him. Um, but I wish he'd kind of just let go of his party and let somebody else just handle the party instead. Right. Um, um, it's just it's time to go buddy it's time to go he, he won't and again like the the israeli right can not that like again we're, we're on the left but the israeli the left right dichotomy doesn't really exist the same way as it does in in the u.s it doesn't mm-hmm. exist in israel so i definitely think a lot of progress can be made on the right where you have mm-hmm. kind of like a right-wing prag- like pragmatic leader who is like, well, like, you know, just like we did with the UAE, we can do with the Palestinians or I don't know. And yeah. I might, you know, but like right-wing governments in Israel have made peace in the past. And I think it's possible. It's not possible with someone like Netanyahu on the stage. Yeah. You know? Um, yeah. There, I don't know if you, uh, bringing up Ayala Shaked reminded me, I don't know if you saw, but um, do you remember that there was a guy um, in 2018, an Israeli man that was living in Israel, in uh, Thailand, sorry, and was operating um, what they considered an illegal uh, medical clinic. Um, do you remember that? I don't remember that now. Okay. Yeah. So this guy, his name is Nati Haddad, um, and he was an Israeli man that was operating um, an illegal medical clinic in Thailand. Um, and he also, uh, when they, you know, there was a huge raid that they did at the time, the, the Thai uh, uh, police, um, and they went to, to his medical clinic. They also went to the Chabad's um, in Koh Samoy. It was a huge deal. Um and they arrested him not only for the illegal medical clinic, but they also found in the clinic uh, firearms. Mm. Um, and I don't think that there was really ever a, a clear explanation for why those were even there. I don't know. Anyways, um, Ayala Chaked got involved recently um, and, uh, and, you know, visited his family a lot. Um, Rivlin got involved. He wrote a letter um, in 2019 um, to, the, to the Thai king um, asking him to grant him a pardon um, due to his uh, medical and mental state. Um, I believe Haddad kind of said that, you know, he was on the, on the brink of uh, losing it. And um, in March of 2020, um, Rivlin actually said that he was, um, he was going to bring him over to Israel um, and that the king of Thailand actually uh, allowed, you know, a, a, a 
read his appeal um, and he could do the rest of his um, sentence uh, in Israel. Um, and then they sent him, there's a prison up in the Kharmon. Um, they sent him there um, and, uh, and now he's out. So he got out this week, um, which is, which is pretty, I don't know. I guess it's good. I don't, I mean, good for him and, and his family. Um, but yeah. It was uh, it was a really big story, um, and he was really you know having this um, illegal medical clinic to kind of help Israelis uh, in Thailand. If you don't know, Israelis love Thailand. Israelis um, love Thailand. Yeah, months at a time yeah. in Thailand. You know, it's uh, you, you go around Thailand, and sometimes you you feel the Israelis like you walk on the street, <laughs> and they're just everywhere. Yeah. Like everywhere much like they're they're driving next to you on motorbikes they're at the beach they're they're literally everywhere um it's insane uh yeah israelis love thailand i i can't really explain why maybe one day we'll ask my friend tom also loves thailand maybe we can ask her what's the crazy obsession well i think there's a going back to that original point i think there's a culture in israel of the israeli government bailing out israelis who've royally fucked up abroad mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. i mean we have a friend who who i mean listen she didn't really fuck up like that was that was the that was the the uh russian government taking advantage of her, her friend ama um from mm-hmm. new jersey um was caught with marijuana and was like sentenced to seven years in russian jail um but then was pardoned by putin after mm-hmm. a lot of international backlash but but that was, you know, she she did, definitely didn't deserve that. That's like I think a minor case. But but like with the Nati Haddad case, but and um, there was a guy in there's an Israeli backpacker in Chile who went to the Patagonia uh, to this to Torres del Paine, which I went to when I was there, and he I think he lit his shitty toilet paper on fire to get rid of it, and then burnt down half of like a national forest holy crap and then went to jail and and then the israeli government intervened and got mm-hmm. this guy freed and so the local chileans are like now all hate israelis and hate jews and i when i was there i saw like anti-semitic graffiti everywhere uh, yeah. and 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 this this asshole after he was freed from jail went on to backpack around. He was no longer allowed in Chile, but he went on to backpack around South America, the countries he was allowed to go to. Like, how ridiculous is this? You royally, royally, royally fuck up in another country. You give a terrible name to all of Israel and all Israelis. Yeah. And then the government comes in and bails you out. (laughs) Yeah. That's That's the hardest part, too, is when you're, like, traveling in other countries and you're speaking Hebrew or, like... You, you even sometimes I'll be in another country or I'll even even in New York, you know, before COVID, um, if I would like see Israelis like doing something, I would watch the people around them and how they're reacting to what they're doing. Um, and it's always like, damn, like I wish, you know, I wish you could, you know, just a, a tone down a little bit just so that like the people around you aren't, you know, constantly being like, oh, these Israelis, you know, like the last thing I want now is to like go to Thailand and for people to think like that I'm trying to do something illegal or, you know, anything like that. And that's really the worst part is that you just don't want people to like have that um, perception of like your people, you know? Oh yeah. Sucks. For sure. For sure. Um, Yeah. I mean, going around Chile for you and, you know, seeing anti-Semitic stuff just, you know, makes you feel like shit. Well, I also, people like locals will look at me and they'd be like, Oh, you're Israeli. I'm like, I didn't even open my mouth yet, buddy. (laughs) (laughs) No, but that happened a few times. And then also an, yeah. another thing is, here's the thing also, when I was there, like, there were a few instances where they were, they, like, locals would, like, blame us for, like, being cheap or, or taking advantage of them, where we would go around, you know, kind of shopping for the best price to do, like, let's say an excursion. One, one excursion, for example, was climbing a volcano. We climbed this volcano. Um, and this you know we we stayed at this hostel and the owner of the hostel had a special excursion and he wanted us to do it and we found a better price we decided not to do it with him we get back to the hostel and he's like i gave you that rate because i assumed that you were gonna do you were gonna go on this excursion with me and then started screaming at us for like an hour and um 
and then he wanted us to pay more to stay at the hostel. So we left. But he, the one thing he said is, like, you Israelis always do this. And we would, he was not clear to us from the beginning. So he just assumed that if we, yeah. and we did anything wrong, he would blame it on the fact that we were Israeli. But also, what's wrong with, like, going out and getting competitive pricing? They hate it. They, they, I think it's a cultural thing. They Sorry. Yeah, I, like... I know. I mean, I, I, you know, I'm sorry if you hate, you know, a few shopkeepers would yell at us when we asked the price and then leave. And I said, we want to know why, why should I go to a place, find out the price because you don't advertise the price. Yeah. And then not like the price and then go somewhere else. Yeah. Like, did you already order everything for me that you're like so pissed off that I went to check the price somewhere else? Like, I literally just asked you for the price. Exactly. Condo. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but it, it's something that Israelis tend to do more than other yeah. other nationalities. It's a cultural thing. Um, too. No, it's because we don't like to be frierim. Yeah, but we also fight for the scent. We fight by the scent. You know, if, if something <laughs> no, if something is like five dollars too much, then you know. You know, they're like, oh, it's it's too expensive. Like, and it's like for that and for these people, sometimes their livelihood and you just deal with it. Like, I don't mind yeah. spending a few more dollars if it's another $50 or even $20. I might go the other one. But, you know, yeah. you know, there's there's a difference. But I think yeah. there's a cultural thing with Israelis that they anywhere they go, they have to get a better price. Because there's an Israeli mentality that you don't want people you don't want people to screw you over. Mm-hmm. The last thing that you want is for you, like the last thing that any Israeli wants is to go to a store, buy something, then come home, look online and Google it, and then see that it's cheaper on a different website or they could have gotten it for half the price or something. Like that's the last thing anybody wants. And Israelis are constantly in this mentality of everybody is out to fuck me over. Everybody yeah. is around everybody's trying to fuck me over all of the time and that's why they're constantly in this thought of okay where can i get the best price let me make sure that this guy isn't trying to screw me over let me make sure that they're not lowballing me let me like they live with this fear 24 7 and they just use it in every single decision and every single thing that they do in life it's insane is cray but i mean it makes sense and i do the same i can't i can't even like you know i'm talking all this shit but i literally do the same if i go to a store and i see something and i'm and i look up the price and i look at it and then i look it up online and if it's like half the price online i'm gonna get it online if it's like two bucks more in the store and i like kind of want it right now i'll just buy it well but one, you got to be reasonable with me. One story, and, and we're, we're totally on a tangent right now, but one more story. Mamash. To, one more story to go right <laughs> to our next, uh, our next topic. So I remember my ex, my very, very Israeli ex, um, came with me to the U.S. for a month. And uh, it was the first time he was in North America. And I took him to Jersey Gardens, which is the outlet mall. And he loves Timberlands. Mm-hmm. Like, that's his favorite fucking shoe. So I took him to the Tim store the outlet mall, uh, at the outlet mall. And... You know, he's like buying two pairs of shoes, and at the at the uh, at the register, he's like, "So what else do I get? I don't get another oh, discount. I, I don't get something free." And the woman, and the woman's like, uh, "This isn't. You're already getting heavily discounted Tims. Like, they're you know, this is an outlet." <laughs> wow. He's like, "I'm spending three hundred dollars," and it's like, "I'm like, yeah, but that's the price. Like, you don't negotiate yeah. at a." You don't argue at a at a retail store. You know also at a retail store that's like already an outlet that's like already mark off sales. Um, but it's so it's even like, you know, every time tell me that every single time that you go um to Bed Bath and Beyond, you don't pull up a freaking coupon. No, you have to have Bed Bath and Beyond. Of course. You can't go to Bed Bath and Beyond and not get the twenty percent off. Like you're an But let's you're say an idiot like online don't. too. And online too, if you like go to a website and then you're in the checkout and it says at the end, like, oh, there's a, you know, put in your promo code. Tell me you don't Google to see if there's a promo oh, I code Google that you can find for I, I, I search every website that has to do with uh, promo codes and I find them and I'll find Nahan? the better one too. So if, if one is 20% and one is obviously like I'll look for a 30% one. I mean, I do that mm-hmm. all the time, but there's, you know, online, you can do that. There's no like social stigma around it because you're not dealing with an individual person. Right. Now, you know, right. you know, and we have like, we know we have a friend's father who does this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I mm-hmm. went with him once to Toys R Us so he can buy some stuff for one of his kids. 
and he goes to the cashier and says, "And I take, I'll take the employee discount with it." And the and the cashier will say, "Are you, are you an employee of Toys R Us?" And he's like, "You know, my friend's son." Da 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 da. And after like ten minutes of back and forth, um, he the the guy just gave up and gave him the employee discount. Just freaking give it to him. Oh wait, wait, just get just get him out. Wait, one more, one more, one more story before we move to our next topic. <laughs> clearly, <laughs> clearly, this, we have a lot. We have a lot here. We're gonna have to dedicate a whole episode to to being cheap. Oh, Not cheap, being smart with our money. Nachon, liot mechushavim, being thought out, calculated about our money. So calculated, nachon. So. so um, I still carry my military ID. Well, my ID that says I've been released from the military, the Israeli military. And if you go to some retail stores in the U.S., we'll give you a 10% military discount. Now you just, I can't believe you do that, John. No, they legit, I, I showed them, it's fully in Hebrew. They look at it. Oh, my God. They look at me. And then I say, oh, it's the Israeli military. And then they give me 10% off. <laughs> no, I'm not lying. And it works at every outlet store. John, that's hysterical. <laughs> you know, oh my god. Oh, I still have mine too. I still have my two that lochem also yeah. my uh, my combat card. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's hysterical yeah. that you do that. I can't believe I, you do I that. I do that some I mean, I haven't done it in a while, but I have it in my wallet just in case. Oh my god, that's And amazing. they were like, <laughs> no one asks any questions. They just do it. <laughs> of course. They're just like, "Oh, okay, yeah, Israeli military sounds great." Um Okay, so that was hysterical. Yeah. Um, our next topic that we wanted to talk about was, I don't know if y'all saw this, but um, there was a doctor, a Jewish doctor. Doctor. Um, doctor. Um, Taylor Nicholas. Um, I think he was outside of like Sacramento or something along those lines. I don't remember. Anyways, Jewish doctor. Um, someone shows up, um, short of breath, um, clearly working hard to breathe. He looked very sick and scared. Um, they open up his chest and the first thing that they see is a swastika, um, SS tattoos, um, uh, you know, a, a lot. Um, and he tweeted about this um, and also tweeted that um, the team included a Jewish physician, him, uh, a black nurse and um, an Asian um, respiratory therapist. Um, and, you know, that they had to suddenly uh, work on this guy and, and he was begging them, you know, um, he said to them, don't let me die, doc, and like do whatever you have to do um, to help me live. Um, and this guy was in this situation where, you know, he's looking at him and there's just a huge swastika on his face. Um, and I felt like that was, it's, it's a really intense story. Um, and according to them, of course, they did everything that they possibly could, um, to make it so that this guy would stay alive. Um, and, and so that he had a, 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 you know, a chance to, to live, um, but, you know, it was for this doctor, too. He also wrote that for the first time, I recognized that I hesitated. Um, and, and the you know, it's it's a it's a huge um, situation to be in when you're suddenly just looking at this guy and you're like, what would this guy think of me if he if he knew that I was Jewish? Yeah. Would he even want me to be taking care of him right now? Yeah. I mean, you know, you can't, I mean, doctors have an oath to protect people and, and save their lives. So, mm -hmm. it, you know, obviously he would, he would do that, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's tough. Like you're, you're thrown. Take no, an oath, yeah. Doctors yeah. take an oath to protect, you know, to protect and save their patients as much as possible. So obviously he's going to do that, but I mean, just what, I mean, I mean, you know, what happens after like do you know does the does the patient look at the guy's name and say a jew save me or or like how does you know that that's i mean i, I just for the doctor it's very heavy you know yeah yeah and he also in his tweets he said that he continued to say to himself um they came here needing a doctor and damn it taylor you're a doctor you know like he just kept repeating mm -hmm. that to himself i'm also curious when this guy hopefully right like uh, knock on wood he feels better um and he and he gets out of this um is he going to see this afterwards and and hear about it and be like damn you know what what is he going to think about it yeah exactly i mean i i i mean it's again it's like very heavy just to 
I mean, anytime I see a swastika, I, I tense up. It's not, it's not fun. Like as a Jew, you're, you're like, okay, I'm not welcome here. Um, and mm-hmm. you, and, and this doctor knew that like, he wasn't really welcome. He would not be embraced by this person, but he has no choice but to save this person's life. So, you know, yeah. and I, and I hope that like this patient sees, you know, sees like the, what this doctor has done for him and then changes his ways. That's what I would hope. But I, Amen. Yeah, that's what I would hope. Amen. Yeah, well, that's all on that story. Should we get to our next topic? Yeah. Okay, great. So, Angie, since this is a Mizrahi podcast that focuses on Mizrahi issues, we forgot something very important. Last month was Mizrahi Awareness Month. <laughs> November 30th was Mizrahi Awareness Day or Mizrahi yeah. Commemoration mm-hmm. Day. For the 800... Tell me who came up with this. Well, first of all, Mizrahi Commemoration Day is for the 850,000 Jewish refugees who were displaced from Arab countries and Iran in the 20th century, which was all our grandparents. So all of us fall mm-hmm. into that. Um, you're a family from Iran and, um, and uh, also Iraq and Morocco and mine from Iraq and Yemen. Um, mm-hmm. So, yes, very important. Who came up with it was the Israeli Knesset, um, and the day they chose was November 30th uh, to fall in line with the UN partition resolution of November 29th, 1947. Um, Jews like to fuck up dates, so we did a day later, I guess. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's, it, it is important, um, but there is definitely political motives behind it. Um, and then a right-leaning Jewish organization called Jimena, Jews Indigenous, Indigenous in Middle East North, and North Africa, uh, turned it into a month um, because that's something uh, that is, I guess, an American practice, having an awareness month. Um, so um, there's, you know, I, I follow Jimena. I know it's, you know, they have a lot of good information on on things that are cultural when it comes to Mizrahi Jews. Um, mm-hmm. But they are politically motivated and they have, you know, they are like a hundred percent pro-Israel as are most Mizrahi Jews. So it does, it's, you know, it does align with the community itself. Um, but, you know, with that comes, you know, issues. Uh, so, and Angie, mm-hmm. what do you think about this? I think it's Munfat. I think somebody totally they totally just farted this out of their asses. I have no idea what you're talking about. I've never heard of this month before in my life. Um, I had no idea that this was even a thing until you brought it up to me, John. Until until like an hour ago? <laughs> yeah, no, like literally until an hour ago. I'm, I wish I was kidding, but I really had no idea that this, like the reason that we missed it was because we had no idea, or at least I had no idea that it was a thing. Um, I, I did not read about it anywhere. I watch Israeli television on a daily basis. Um, and I don't recall anyone bringing it up. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, apparently from what we read online, right, the Israeli government passed a law in 2014 that enacted the day to mark the departure and um, expulsion of Jews from uh, Arab countries and Iran. Um, I, I didn't know that this was a thing. I kid you not. Yeah. And then another piece of this is International Day of Solidarity with the Palestinian Peoples, November 29th, to coincide with the UN partition resolution. Um, so even talking to a friend about this, it's kind of like, the the Jew, like Israelis tried to one up the Palestinian people where it was like, well, you're going to talk about refugees. We're going to talk about refugees. And mind you, it's very important to talk about Mizrahi, Arab, Middle Eastern Jewish refugees from these places because sure. literally no one does talk about it, um, both in like Arab and Middle Eastern spaces that are non-Jewish and also in Jewish Ashkenazi spaces. Like the only people who talk about it politicize it uh either either on the Mm -hmm. left or on the right and there's never like a way to commemorate or acknowledge or just fully understand like the presence of you know nearly a million jews who had who were in the middle east for 
thousands of years, say 2000 years up and left, not overnight, but over a short period of time. And that is traumatic. That was traumatic for our grandparents that erased culture, that erased a bond between the Middle East and and Judaism. And no Mm -hmm. one can have a productive conversation about it without getting political, about Israel, about Palestine, about whatever, about making these assumptions saying like, you know, Israel's a white supremacist colonist state that erased the Jewish idea. You know, these like long-winded, you know, descriptions about Mizrahi Jews, but also, you know, not acknowledging the racism within Israel that Mizrahi Jews faced, that our grandparents faced. So I have a lot of, I, I do have a lot of issues with this. I've heard about it for a while. I also do think there needs to be, I guess, a, I don't know about a day, but something to kind of talk about this properly yeah um i feel like there there should be um i I don't care if it's like an event that kind of um you know showcases a panel of people that um were a part of research and in like working on movies about this or anything like that but it's just not um it's not something that's really that's really talked about a lot. I'm kind of reading online about how um, in the U.S., you know, some Jewish schools kind of talk about it during the month of November. Um, but what I'm mostly getting um, from Israeli stuff that I'm looking is like, okay, this was just put up as this day. Um, and the news about it from 2014 when, you know, it, it became a thing. Um, but that's it. There's There's literally two news articles talking about this day and that's it um and then just articles talking about why it's not necessary um it's just it's it's very interesting to me that this isn't something that's kind of highlighted more um especially since there are so many Mizrahim that are like so um they're, they they like to, to to talk a lot about, you know, um, so, so many of the issues that, that we have internally and, and things that are going on in Israel. And it's just sad that um, they didn't raise this. Like, how come you don't have any big Mizrahi um, artists that are that are talking about this? You know, yeah. um, who's really supposed to be the people in Israel, for example, that are just kind of bringing this topic forward? Um, you don't see that. You don't see that within the government and you don't see that within um uh, famous uh, folks, uh, actors, singers, I don't care. There And there's ample Mizrahi singers in Israel to be talking about this topic. They, they don't talk uh, about, I don't know, it, that's a separate conversation to, you know, about like how this is, the discourses on this in Israel. Um, but, yeah. you know, I mean, you know, there are, I mean, what, what I did with my grandfather was, I, I forgot the name of the organization, I'll find it, we can link it. But there was an organization that documents uh, specifically Jews from the Middle East, like their story. So uh, mm-hmm. we had someone come before my grandfather passed away and interview him. My grandfather left Iraq at the age of 20. So he had he grew up in Iraq. He had his formative years there and he knew he had all his memories. So probably like two hour interview of my grandfather, like his where he grew up, what his house was like, like everything what his involvement was with the government and how he left the country and and like part being part of the jewish underground of iraq so it was all these different things like it was really really cool um and there are mm-hmm. organizations that that do do that um i i do see mm-hmm. like you know there's also like the jewish voice for peace for instance which is a very left-wing jewish group which is predominantly ashkenazi and and secular and very tone deaf when they come, when it comes to talking about Mizrahi issues, they're just like, it's very white savior. Um, like shut the fuck up. Like, I really don't want to hear this coming from your voice. Like this, like you don't know what you're talking about. Like you've, you, you've like, yeah. you spent like no time speaking to a Mizrahi person from like the Shuna when you're talking. That's, yeah. that's, that's what it sounds like. They, uh, kind of attacked like, uh, Jimena in the past. Um, saying that it's like a right-wing propaganda organization but like at the end of the day the people who are properly like close like not properly but the only ones really sharing these stories are these right-wing organizations there's a group mm-hmm. called the Mizrahi project which is part of a pro-israel christian organization called Pufi how ridiculous is that like why do they get to own that narrative <laughs> 
Yeah, if you watch if you watch yeah. their videos, their videos are of all these older Mizrahi folk who tell their story, and their story is identical to your grandparents' story. Identical. It's mm-hmm. identical. Mm-hmm. And so why why do they get to own that narrative? Yeah. So it's it's kind of crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I just wish that there was more around it mm-hmm. that people could actually, you know, commemorate the day, have those talks. Like, why, why is it that even on that day, like, TV isn't flooded with interviews, like the one of your grandfather, right? right? Like, why don't we, why isn't that something that we see? Um, and it's not, you know, I don't want to compare it to any other kind of Yom Azikolon. Um, but I think that it's still an important topic and people should still be educated on it. But at the same time, I think that it's also something that um, the Israeli government is probably, you know, the Israeli government at the time um, uh, today is probably look at it in retrospect and are pretty ashamed of the response that they had um, when the Mizrahim came to Israel. Um, So maybe they're just avoiding the topic altogether so they don't have to talk about that. Yeah. That's again, (laughs) a separate conversation, but yeah, I mean, I mean, um, the Mizra- Mizrahim in Israel pretty much vote for Netanyahu. That's his base. <laughs> that, yeah. that, that again yeah. is a separate conversation. Yeah. So you'd hope that he'd kind of um, pay forward. I mean, he kind of does. I mean, you know, you have um, I, I think my grandmother gets uh, gets some form of uh, reparation from the Israeli government, which equals to like $1,000 a year or something ridiculously small. Uh, yeah um but she even said she's like what i'm not a holocaust survivor like you know like <laughs> like okay grandma yeah. let's also not talk about how terribly holocaust survivors have it in israel yeah to this day yeah to this day um yeah so that's an interesting conversation that you and i will be continuing over these podcasts um should we yes. get to our next uh, segment which we just started we start two new segments Okay, yeah. so our first new segment is Petty Internet Drama of the Week. So each one of us will go and tell us our fa- uh, tell you guys about our favorite petty internet drama. Um, so Angie, you want to start? Yeah, yeah. So, um, so I was actually, I, I like to read sometimes um, about how it's really interesting to me how like people who are involved in like pop culture um, influence um, the rest of us, right? What, what does it mean for everybody else? Um, And a lot of times looking at what celebrities do can kind of also help you really understand why everybody else is doing similar things. Um, And the Atlantic uh, published this, uh, this article about um, the Kardashians and, and COVID and everything around that. And there was a lot around um, the Kardashians and Cardi B who both had uh, big Thanksgiving events, um, both with, you know, family, but obviously not their immediate family. Um, it was, you know, a, a big event um, that everybody attended. And it's, um it's really, you know, it's on one hand, they kind of recognize um, the privilege that they have, right? The ability that they have to be able to fly everybody out on their private planes um, to, to have these events and, and to go wherever they want. Kim's birthday was another huge issue that everybody was super, everybody on the internet was like super angry about. Um, and she got a lot of backlash on. Um, so both of those instances from Thanksgiving um, were really big. Cardi B responded and being like, hey, you know, I tried to do everything I could. Like, I got everybody tested, even though that's not obviously 100%, um, which she didn't say. I'm saying, yeah. sorry. Um, but, yeah, she was like, yeah, I got everybody tested. I tried to, you know, I really wanted to bring my family together uh, for Thanksgiving. It was really important for me, blah, blah, blah. Um, and and the Kardashians also kind of recognize their privilege of being able to spend all this money um, in getting everybody together. But at the same time, you kind of look at how this plays out to everybody else, right? Because first of all, a lot of the people that are that are following you are really annoyed about the fact that you're spending all of this money, right? Even though she did donate to COVID efforts, but still, um, you're spending all this money while there's so many people in America right now that are unemployed, um, that are barely able to finish the month. Um, and you're 
you're going out and spending all this money on all of these things. Um, and that's really tough. And it's kind of on one hand, on keeping up with the Kardashians, there's, you know, the, the latest season is around everything from COVID because it was really um, shot during COVID. Um, so it's really this, you know, we're all in this together and we're with you and uh, and we care to work with, like, you know, we, we want to help out and that's why we're donating to these efforts, et cetera. But on the other hand, we're not really with you because we got all this money and we can use it to be able to do all the things that mm-hmm. we want. So not really. And it kind of even reminds me of how, Trump's whole thing of like, oh, yeah, we're all in this together and then goes to get the best um, care in the world when the rest of Americans uh, uh, like barely have a proper health care plan. Um, and it's and it's just really it's sad, but it also makes me think uh, when I look out now and I see people that are going out and partying or going to events and I'm seeing all of these events now in New York City that are getting shut down with hundreds of people inside um, or my friends that are going out to raves and acting like it's totally normal. I kind of say to myself, well, they're seeing these celebrities doing it right. They're seeing well-known people doing it, getting away with it, nothing happening. Right. They think that everything's perfect. So why not do it, too? Um, and that's what really pisses me off, right? I don't care about Kim Kardashian and Cardi B having, like, I don't give a shit. It doesn't, like, whatever. You want to put yourself at risk? Like, that's on you. Um, what really pisses me off is that there's people that follow these people and afterwards they think, damn, okay, they had a Thanksgiving event. Cool. Why didn't I have a Thanksgiving event? Maybe I'll just gather all my family together now for Christmas or whatever. And it's like, are you serious? Mm -hmm. Like, you got to like, you know, it sucks to say this, but you got to set an example for other people. Like people look at you, they look up to you, like they look at what you're doing and they take it seriously. And when you go and do all this shit, you're making like you're you're just risking the rest of us because people are out here thinking that now it's fine. Nothing happened to Kim Kardashian. She's OK. You know, she got through it. She wasn't wearing a mask. So now I can do it, too. Like, no, no. It sucks. No, it does. And I think, like I said, people need to be. um they, they they need to kind of be responsible. If you have a platform, you need to be responsible. This goes for politicians too. Like, you know, there have been some Democrats have caught, been caught doing things like that. And, you know, after mm-hmm. saying that you should, you know, be responsible or, or follow the guidelines, like everyone should be following the fucking guidelines, you know? And if you have mm-hmm. a platform, set a fucking example. Like, you know, I, I did you know gather with my cousins and we were under 10 people and we all got tested was that advised not at all was that smart it could have been risky you know um and we had a potential scare which ended up being nothing but you know again that was a risk a risk assessment that we did and you know we we did it in within the guidelines again not saying that what we did was smart not saying that everyone should have done it but we, yeah. But you were willing to take that risk. And we, we measured, and it was a collective was a, thing that you guys all exactly, decided. Exactly. Um, and again, it wasn't advised. Like it wasn't. Yeah, you know, right. like like we did a risk assessment. We all got tested, and we did. We we made sure we maintained it under ten people. So um, yeah. Again, like with all this internet culture, uh, cancel culture, which people love saying, "Oh, I hate cancel culture." Like. It's about holding people account accountable. So if you get get called totally. out for some bullshit that you did that was wrong, there's a reason for that. <laughs> you know? Right. Absolutely. Um, but nobody's gonna cancel no, the Kardashians, nobody's gonna no. cancel Cardi B. We're just gonna let it slide. But if I'm being honest, like the more and more time I spend in COVID, like the more and more like in this crazy time that we're living in, the more and more I'm just like, I don't think that I even want to be surrounded by people that didn't make a serious effort during this time to stay the fuck home. Because like that just shows that like you you just don't care about society as a whole. And like I don't think I want that kind of energy around me. You know what I mean? Um so that's just like every single person though needs to make that decision for themselves, right? Like you have to say like and I'm not, you know, I'm obviously not a person that like heavily follows Kim Kardashian and Cardi B to the point where like I mimic their lives and now plan on throwing my own Thanksgiving or Christmas event. <laughs> but, <laughs> but it really, you know, it, it pisses me off that there are millions of people that follow these people and now they're going to go and do this shit. And that drives me nuts. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So on to me, yeah. I got two. Um, all right. So 
the first one is um, there's this gay influencer that I follow um, named Heartthrob Robertson. I think that's his name. He's really funny. He has like over 100,000 followers and um, he makes all these gay memes and videos. And, and I actually really enjoy his videos and I think he's really genuine, a really genuine person. But um, he just went on some weird rant on Instagram yesterday about Quip toothbrushes because they came out with a gum that like shouldn't exist. It's like a, a gum instead of brushing your teeth, like you would chew this gum. And, and he basically okay. said, like, thank you, Quip, for producing a product that should never have existed. Um, and just, it just went on like this, like for like five or six like posts went on to say how Quip mm-hmm. is a company that should not exist. No one should like, first of all, they have crappy reviews, but also why do you need, um, why do you need um, subscription based toothpaste and toothbrushes? Like, it's really, really stupid. Um I don't get the toothbrushes part well, at I guess all. The toothbrush heads, but again, like I, I have a Phil, I think a Philips one uh, electric toothbrush, and it's a really good toothbrush that I got at Costco. Obviously, I got at Costco, um, but Obviously. I just buy toothpaste in bulk. I don't need my toothpaste shipped to me every fucking month. Uh, yeah, I don't need that extra packaging. And if either. I and that extra packaging, but also if I like run out of toothpaste, I live in New York City. I can go pick yeah. up toothpaste at any bodega or any any drugstore in the area. Uh, but yeah. again, like it's not it's like such a dumb concept. So it was really funny. He just went on this rant and then like started talking about other companies that shouldn't exist, like companies that sell really expensive sheets and then just like repackage it into like this millennial startup kind of vibe. Um, so I mm-hmm. thought it was hilarious. Um, and my my other thing of my other favorite piece of petty internet drama, which related relates to our other conversation about Mizrahi Remembrance Month, um, there there's a Facebook group, a Facebook uh, Instagram page that you and I follow called Settle for Biden, which is a more progressive, mm-hmm. um, like um, pro Biden, I guess page, which they're like you have to vote for Biden because that's their best option, and then we'll hold them accountable. So now that but yeah honestly just want to say before you are about to ruin it i was in full support of settle for biden i felt like it was the one instagram page during all of the election time that i was like oh i agree with everything that right these guys and for the saying. most part because like as progressives yep. you like to say like okay like we we're like we're gonna work under the the system that we have you know and we're mm-hmm. gonna do our fucking best here and hold him accountable. And and so that was the whole point of the page. And so now, like, now that Biden won, the accountability is starting to pour in. Um, and sometimes it's fine. And sometimes I find it a little bit annoying. Um, and one thing was, it was November 29th was Palestinian. What was it? What was the exact date? Uh, uh, name of the thing. Um, it was uh, uh, International Day of Solidarity with the Palestinian people. So they posted about it mm-hmm. and they posted a list of demands for for what Biden should be doing in Palestine and Israel. And, you know, anytime you post anything about Israel or Palestine on the Internet and you're not, you know, of that group. It's the comments are dumpster fire. Dumpster oh, yeah. fire, dumpster fire. And, and that's oh, why yeah. you should never post anything about it or leave your comments on. Because the you know and and nothing they said was like that terrible or that inflammatory and nothing was remotely anti-Semitic but like obviously they were called anti-Semitic yeah and then some people were like how could you do this on Mizrahi commemoration day <laughs> <laughs> so the next day so the next day they posted the whole thing about remembering Mizrahi juice <laughs> I give up <laughs> I thought it was funny. Because they, they got they got sucked into the drama of Israel and Palestine for no reason because they wanted to make change. so they got they have no idea they have what, no they, idea got what they got themselves into. into. So I just thought like, oh my god, they got they got sucked into the propaganda war of both sides. I'm like, what? So I didn't comment. Wow. I, I wasn't interested in commenting. I just observed it from afar, and I was like. This is hilarious. And then obviously people were like commenting, it's too late. Da, da, da. Or, 
remember palace it, it was just like of both sides just being pissy and and like like sometimes i'm just like i'm so glad like like i i, I hate everyone sometimes on the internet yeah, yeah. but it was funny to watch so that was that was my petty, yeah that was that was the best of petty internet drama for the week um our second new segment is called wins and fails so you and i will go around and go around and say our wins and fails of the week um so you want to go yeah. first sure um i'm like the rest of america did the new york <laughs> times shit where i figured out when the fuck i'm gonna get the vaccine um and i'm behind 144.1 million people across the u.s to get the vaccine so that's fucking shit um it means you're healthy and young that's what it means it means tachas. but um but um with two t's um yeah no it sucks it sucks um i you know it, it sucks it sucks um I couldn't decide between that fail or the other fail that I had this week. The other fail that I had this week was that um, a UPS guy delivered my packages to a completely different address. And I ran outside in it's like 30 something degrees now in New York. Um, And I ran outside in shorts and a crop top uh, with my like sandals. Um, and I did bring my mask. I was wearing my mask, uh, to chase him down the street being like, where are my packages? And he's like, what, where do you live? And then I told him my address and he was like, oh shit, I drop him off somewhere else. And then he just <laughs> runs to a different address, um, picks up all of my packages and brings them back to me. Um, so that was, uh, that was great. I mean, it was lucky that I managed to catch him. Um, so that was, uh, I can't decide if that or the fact that I'm behind 144 million people across the U.S. to get the vaccine or really fails. Um, but my win this week is that the Big Brother Israel starts tomorrow and I am so excited and it's going to be amazing. So excited. I'm so excited. The, this, so excited. Se- this season does not include anyone from my family. My cousin was on last. The last. <laughs> not, not that you know well, maybe yet. Maybe not. My cousin was on the last season of Big Brother Israel and was caused quite a stir in Israel and now is a C level celebrity. D level. Would you say? Yeah, I don't. Oh. Yeah, I mean he's he's gone he's gone pretty quiet ever since. So usually what happens is when people get out of the Big Brother, they get like huge like campaigns and they like get to you know um, a lot of fashion uh, uh, related companies kind of reach out to them to do um, you know either posts on Instagram and pay them or fashion stuff or whatever else. Um, and I'm I don't know if he got any of those offers, but he he definitely um, from what I've seen hasn't taken any of them up. He's uh, he's pretty he's staying with the diamonds yeah staying with his jewelry business i don't know but his his my my cousin maya his sister went live on instagram yesterday and and now all of a sudden she has all these followers (laughs) it's really funny that she got famous just because she's awesome maya's maya's a hoot yeah (laughs) i love listening Uh, to her do you follow her do you watch her live videos no, I used to, um, when the Big Brother was happening, she used to get on all the time. Her and Food Lord, Lord. Um, Food Lord used to get on all the time and talk about Lior. Um, and she always, Maya always had like this optimistic, positive kind of vibe. Like she always talks like very, it's just Maya, fun to, Maya it's always fun, fun to listen Maya's to Maya's a lot, like that. but she's fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she um, seems awesome. So yeah, that's my, as famous as my family will ever be um so for my wins and fails that's not true my dad owns a famous diner in new jersey oh i yo i got um white man i just started making face masks i'm gonna give you one yeah branded face masks i took a bunch obviously i took like 20 to give out yeah obviously my dad's gonna sell them and i'm like I'm just gonna take a handful (laughs) yeah for people i know um so mm-hmm. um my wins and fails so my my fail sorry my fail my glasses um are like two years old at this point and they basically suck and i bought them an eye by direct and they keep falling off my fucking face with, with so with face masks they they just slide off my face all the time if i look down they're just like off and because they're plastic and i keep falling on the ground they kind of ch- a little piece of it kind of chips away every time 
and then scratches up. So at this point, they're really scratched up. It comes to a point where they just don't stay on my face. I put some tape and they kind of stick together, but whatever. I'm out of a job, so I don't have any, I don't have any like insurance or FSA dollars to buy glasses. So I, I kind of held up on that until very recently. Um, and I ordered a pair from the cheapest site possible to order a pair of glasses from. And they're coming in three weeks, two, two to three weeks. So, uh, so you ordered them from AliExpress? No, Zenny, <laughs> which is cheaper than I buy direct and, you know, didn't think that was possible. Tough. Let's see know, how long right? they last. Well, I just need to hold up until I get a job, which is potentially soon because I got, I had two interviews this week. Uh, and health insurance. And health insurance and all that. <laughs> God bless the United yeah. States. Great. God, God bless, bless America. America. Uh, my win this week was that Rudy Giuliani farted twice during this hearing <laughs> yesterday. <laughs> the videos, the internet is blown up around Rudy Giuliani freaking farting. This guy cannot get a break. It's like every single freaking <laughs> week. It's unbelievable. He's just talking. While he was talking, he didn't hold it in until like after he the camera wasn't on him. He just farted when he talked. He's just like a crazy old man who farts and has like gross hair dye. He's just disgust. He's just like a vile, disgusting human. Dude, he just doesn't he probably care. Smells. He just does he not farted. give a shit. He's like, there's no chance I'm ever going to get a job after this. I mean, how much is he worth? Like, he must have money. I don't know. Let's find out his net worth. Right, Rudy Giuliani net worth. Forty-five Why million. Why does he need to work for Trump? <laughs> <laughs> he can go to some cabin in the oh woods and just fart by himself. Oh my god! There's this old article about his divorce and the fact that he spent. $12,000 on cigars, 7000 on pens over a five-month period. What the fuck? Are you, like, who, what do you... Why would you spend... Whatever. I don't know what to tell you. This guy. This guy. Worth $45 million, though. Yeah. Yeah. Thoughts, John? I mean, he can go fuck himself. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it's, it's been, been a fun. great hour with you all thank you so much for listening in to us we hope mm -hmm. you had fun we love you Shabbat Stay shalom. wear a mask keep it kosher Good next Shabbos. week is uh, Chanukah um, Chanukah and you will Chanukah. sing for you Yala. Yala. I will sing for you my favorite Chanukah songs I will bring my dreidel <laughs> Navita Menora, we will light the menorah. Oh my God! You know that this week when I was okay, okay. last story, right? <laughs> this week when I was talking to my uh, last story, okay. the other chad, but I'm not even going to tell you the other one that I have. Um, this week when I was talking to my grandparents, they're in Israel, um, and I was telling them, you know, that I bought a um, a menorah, and I said to the menorah, and they were like, "What?" Why? Lama kanit menorah? Maza menorah? Translation: What's a menorah? Yeah, and um, they asked me what a menorah is. Um, menorah is in English, right? right? It's, yeah. it's like what we say in English to to describe a Chanukiah. Chanukiah is a menorah right. in Hebrew. Um, and then when I said Chanukiah, they were like, Ah! Um, but they didn't understand me for the first five seconds. It was that's really that's sad. like talking to my Israeli cousins when I said like psoriasis, and they're like, What's psoriasis? Psoriasis. Ah, ah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. yeah all right all right love we love all. you all Bye. stay safe